hey, Doug. Oh, hey, Karen. Here we are. Here we are. It's the end of April already. I mean, Can you believe that? The 2021 is one third over. It's wild, isn't it? That's Remember crazy. last year at this time when it was like, oh my God, it's never gonna, like, it was just time. It was, was just... really like, where where are we and what's gonna happen? And yeah, time meant nothing. I mean, it's still kind of uh, amorphous, but it really meant nothing. Yeah. Really wild, right? I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, and apparently we're almost entirely out of this, depending on who you talk to. So, <laughs> Yeah, but I don't have a I don't have a full vaccine yet, so well neither do I. So there you go. Yeah, I'm not running around maskless yet. Uh so hey, episode season five, right? Six. Five, season six. six. Sexy season six. Yeah. <laughs> episode four. The doctor is in deep. That's right. The doctor is in dot 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 deep there's more innuendo right now than i ever remember there being on the show before yeah okay so i mean and i don't mean like subtle innuendo it's not it's but, um, nonetheless yeah. yeah 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 okay so first of all i want to talk i, I do want to sort of like throw out throw out there on the outset this was one of the most poorly written episodes they've done in a really long time i i think that's fair and and I mean, there's been some bad writing on the show, but there there was like this um, the there like weird kind of flowery speeches. There was a lot a of few. speeches. There yeah. were there were a lot of like monologuing and yeah. And there, I mean, like there's one scene in particular that's like completely monologuey and not in keeping with like the tone of the show at all. Yeah, I felt like there were actually two scenes that that okay. did that, and um, and once again, I'm getting like that hardcore daytime soap vibe. Yeah, I it, it can like I wanted to use the word gauzy a couple weeks back. In fact, oh. I said it. I don't remember. There's something like I I had remembered these episodes as being like they have completely gotten away from the camp factor, and it's just like nighttime soap. But there's like, it's almost not serious enough yeah. to be nighttime soap. It's so the odd combination, or I guess juxtaposition, because it's like one storyline is here, Doug said with his arm out high, and one storyline is down <laughs> here, Doug said with an arm down low. Um, that like they they really they really don't jive. So yeah, yeah I think they, the daytime feel continues. This is like something I would have seen at three o'clock in the afternoon in 1990. Yeah, or night. Oh, really, honestly, or 1980. Yeah. Felt, felt like yeah, 1980s. This really felt like an episode like thrown back from like daytime. You know, 1982, 1983, yeah. and you know, and the other thing that you sort of talked about, like it moved away from camp, and I absolutely agree. It has moved away from camp, and it seems to have moved towards in certain scenes and in certain storylines, slapstick. Yeah, like there's still humor. There's very direct humor, and it's doesn't course through all of the scenes, but some of them. And obviously, we'll talk about who okay. specifically. Yeah, it's very overt. And, the tongue and, is not in cheek. The tongue is like like scraping the pool. Yeah. So it almost feels like, um, I don't know. It almost feels like there were separate writers on these storylines this this time around too, um, because we had these sort of like those like f very flowery and speechy moments, and then we had those weird slapsticky moments. 
It, it could be. I mean, my take, and I don't know if it's true of this show, but I know in more recent shows that have true writers' rooms, you know, you have like a bunch of people working on different storylines per episode, and then they just stick one writer's name on an episode. So just because one writer's name is on it doesn't mean they did all the work for that week. So I don't know if it's that this is an aberration from the way they've been doing it. There may have been different writers for different tracks before, but you feel it now a lot more than you ever have or have Definitely. in a really long time. Which is super weird to feel it now because they're actually starting to integrate the stories more. Mm-hmm. It's true. And so to actually have this feeling of like removal or or what you know what I like to have this these weird like juxtapositions of like I don't know if it's different writers or just different they're different writing Aesthetic. styles. Yeah. It just feels very strange. Or extra strange. It feels yeah, strange. And disappointing. For sure. Uh yes. Disappointing. <laughs> Although having said that, this was not an impossible episode to sit through. No, I mean, look, we're not in season four territory here. Right. Like, they're not unrewarding. It's They're just head-scratching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, not unrewarding, but still disappointing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like, eh, it was all right. Um, you know, I'm not actively angry like I was during season four. Yeah, that's f fair. I, I feel like that's going to be your take every week <laughs> this season. Like, yeah, like, I I feel like, I feel like this is about when I would have stopped watching. Like, like, completely. Like, this is when not, you know, not, oh, you know, I haven't watched in a few weeks. Let me turn it on and see what's going on. You know, where I sort of go, oh, I'm familiar with that storyline. Oh, I kind of remember when that happened. Um, this is when, like, all of this, like, everything is going to be new to me now. Because I'm pretty sure this is when I just said, no, I'm done. Yeah. I don't know ratings-wise what happened. I can always look that up. I kept watching, but I stopped caring by now. Now, I thought I was going to stop watching because this is the season that when I went to college. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, well, uh, I'll be busy, whatever. But I ended up getting a TV, uh, like a TV VCR <laughs> as a gift from the place where I had worked, um, which was a really sweet graduation pre-college gift. But I was like, this does fuck up my plans to be less lazy. Um, <laughs> to not watch Melrose so, Place ever again. So, and so the other thing that happened was everyone in like, a lot of people in my dorm, everyone in my suite ended up congregating to watch my TV. So, like, even if I wasn't watching, like, it was, like, a social focal point, which was nice. Um, but also, like, Ally McBeal was on that night after Melrose Place and after that show took off. Like, people were at least watching that show. So it was kind of like, well, Monday night on Fox is still a TV night, so we'll just keep watching. But it was very easy to care a lot less moving forward. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing you're like gripping onto storyline-wise here, as well as we'll get into. I imagine. Yeah. So let's get into it. Where do you want to start? Um. I mean, I, I guess we do Billy and Sam, which ties into Amanda and Craig. Oh yeah, Billy and Sam. What's to um, say? Uh, so they're doing this whole, and they keep calling it, they keep referring to it as a hostile takeover. It's like, just like call it your new company. Just yeah. call it stand up for advertising. <laughs> no just hostile takeover. <laughs> like it's the most latent, not hostile thing going on in town. 
Um, but okay. So so there's we'll get back to it a little bit in the, the cold open. There's a scene where a couple characters sort of collide at the by the mailbox, the entranceway to the courtyard. Um, and uh, Peter's talking to Amanda, and you know Amanda says that she's moving forward with the company and without Peter's money. And lo and behold, at that exact moment, some roses arrive for her, and she says, "And this is from the guy who's giving me my money." And Kyle suddenly approaches from behind, jealous Kyle, who realizes that they're from Eric, the guy from New York, who was her apparent mentor, um, who she turned down his offer. So. Kyle is like slightly more jealous and like pissy. Um, and then we move on and Amanda uh, stops by Billy's to say that they're gonna check out office space um, and explains to Billy that Peter didn't leak anything to Craig. So clearly there's another spy. So there's a little bit of confusion as to how else Craig could have found out about the quote unquote hostile takeover. Um, and Amanda and Billy are like, we see them checking out office space when all of a sudden Craig shows up <laughs> to kind of like, you know, up the stakes in this war they have that really only one can win. And I think this is the moment where Amanda says, I thought this was a security building, <laughs> not like a secure building or even a secured building, a security building. Like, they're not doing advertising anymore. They're doing security. I thought this was a security building. Well, so, also, also, we've never had a security building ever. No, security's the been the big problem with D&D. <laughs> we found out they were there and just sleeping on the job for five years, too, at one point. Yeah. Um, and so then Amanda calls Eric again and is like, I need you to give me even more money. And I don't understand... Like, this is one of those examples where I get that the writers may not know how, like, other businesses work, but this is like, like they don't understand how people work. Like, this guy is just going to keep shelling out more and more money for her to have her own company? It just doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't work. And why would she go, I need more money? Why wouldn't she say, hey, this thing? Because I was, like, sitting there, like, kind of, again, scratching my head, going, money isn't going to fix this. Like he, like Craig stole the lease out from under her. She, he signed it. She can't pay, you know, 10% more than him right. just to right. get the lease back. Like, no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. None of it works. I also am distracted in these scenes by how tan, well, everyone is tan, but Billy is particularly tan and it looks like he's got some black and blue mark under his right eye. And yes, I just wondered if they were just, pancaking it on to try and cover it up didn't really work but now he also looks like a klingon or something um you know i mean like he looks like dick van dyke and mary poppins <laughs> do you think these are like 90s fake tans or do you think these they're really just tan i think it might be really just tan and the reason i think that is you know how i mentioned that heather locklear is pregnant in these episodes yeah and I feel like you maybe can even see it more in this one than the one before. Um, they may have been filming it earlier on, like they took a short hiatus. And so maybe they were filming more in like the, the height of summer. Right. And so they were just out. Like, I mean, I, you know, it's LA, so it's not like there isn't warm weather year round, but they may have just been out in like playing around in summer around the same time they were filming. I don't know, but it's, Seems like they were all tan. 
Oh, I think the next scene might be one of the ones you mentioned about the monologue. Okay, is this the one where um, Alyssa Jennifer? Milano yeah, yeah. shows up at the... Yeah, okay, go ahead. Uh, I mean, you can take it if you want, but basically we now find Craig alone at work, and it's late. We know that it's after hours because, again, the lights are off inside. Which, <laughs> no, you don't do, but if it's dark outside, you need the light on even more. Um, and he's, like, grumpy and really drunk, and she just, like, busts, busts in. Like, she keeps, like, swooping in. Um, and she tells him that he can trust her, and she kind of leaves the him on the couch and walks over to the coffee machine um, to get him a cup of coffee. And she has this long monologue. And I'm honestly not even sure what the point of it was because I was just like, they're just building to the point that by the time she walks back to Craig and we see him again on the couch, he's going to be asleep, which he was. Yes. Yeah. Like, was there anything else that you gleaned from her monologue? I mean, it was just, it was sort of like she was talking about, she understood you know, that he was hit rock bottom or something like that. And the only way that you can show people that you can climb out of it is that, you know, have a beautiful friend and I'm your beautiful friend. It was all very weird and it didn't make much sense. No, it didn't. It didn't make much sense. And like I said, I couldn't 100% focus after a while because I was like, I know this is a ploy. I know this is really just building up to when she gets back and it all will kind of have been moved. So for me, it was... Kind of I mean, like, why didn't they just have her talking shit about Amanda? True. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, she like could have just... talked about anything. Yeah, like, she could have just walked She could have been there. like, let me just tell you about my day. Yes. Yeah, or she could have just gone on and on about Amanda and what a snake she is and how unfair that is. And, you know, oh, Craig, I know you're going to come back on top and, you know, trust me. But instead they made it into, like, this really weird thing about, like, I'm your beautiful friend. It was right. so weird. Which isn't how people have ever spoken on that show. Never. Never. But so anyway. we're back to Billy and Sam. He comes home and she's like ransacking her closet. I guess she's like reorganizing it. Yeah. Um, and then with no real buildup beyond that, she comes clean to Billy and says that it was her that she told Craig about the takeover. Um, and like, it's not, that's kind of it. Like, it doesn't blow up the way you think it would. They don't have a huge fight. He doesn't storm out. Uh, he's just kind of like, why would you do that? Um, and also, well, I guess I'll get to it in a little bit, but I cannot be Team Sam here. Not yeah. because she went and told Craig, but because I cannot be Team Sam. Um, and also, there's a like a 1960s era Marlon Brando uh, photo that they've got hanging I on the wall. I was wondering what that was. Yes. Um, okay, so then we go back to Craig, who's drunk again, and he, like, confronts Amanda at Kyle's. I, 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 I can understand where Craig is coming from. <laughs> he, I don't like him, but I can understand why he'd be mad at Amanda, but there's, like, this scene doesn't really accomplish anything new. Um... And the, except, I guess, it plants a seed in Amanda that we'll see it get to in a second. But before that, Billy is having dinner with Sam, and he's telling her that the deal came through. And Sam's response is to ask, "How how's Craig gonna be?" Yeah. And he's like, you know, wrong question. 
you know, like he, he's a little weirded out by the question, but again, it doesn't really blow up into anything. And then the scene and the rest of the, the episode with him takes a, a very like different out of nowhere turn um, because then Billy is about to say something like about their future, like you're gonna, I want you to be my something. And Sam is very expectant and he dials it back. And she, I guess, thought he was going to say, you're going to be my wife. I want you to be my wife. Either way, it would have been, like, the world's worst proposal. Right. But, but he doesn't say that. And he clearly is like, you know, I love you, whatever, but not, not that. And so she is disappointed. Um, again, not Team Sam. Sam, who is responsible for bringing her ex-con dad into the picture... Sam, who got Billy arrested. Sam, who got Billy to deplete his bank account for said ex-con dad. That sort of thing. Like, whatever Billy says at this point, you should just kind of sit and take it. That's mm -hmm. how we feel. Mm -hmm. um, so then we're back to Amanda, who brings an olive branch slash peace offering to Craig and says that um, she will let him come work for her at her new company, which will have taken over his company. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. And he tells her off. <laughs> yeah. He's like, absolutely not. Um, and then Jennifer is also there and she like cheers him on. Um, uh, and then later, Jennifer tells Kyle at work at the upstairs uh, about Amanda's offer, which is news to Kyle and kind of like a pleasant surprise. Like he seems to be like, huh, good for Amanda. Uh, so then Sam, we're back to these stupid ass people. Uh, Sam is crazy and she brings Billy breakfast in bed and in like the, the oddest blocking somehow manages to completely screw up breakfast in bed like she spills the juice like she knocks over the tray twice like all the food somehow like defies gravity and falls in the wrong direction it's not really messy it's more clangy though um, and she tells him that they are getting married that she has decided <laughs> <laughs> she decided she's going to take him up on the offer he never asked. That he yeah. never, ever got to. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he kind of, and he pulls back. Um, and so that's where they are. And then he comes home again later that day, I assume later that day. Um, and Sam has completely moved out. I mean, like, her closet is empty. I was surprised she actually had her own closet, but yes. She completely moved out, leaves him a note. Um... And he lets out, like, this ungodly hiss. And that's the last we see of that. Yeah, so it's a question of where did Samantha go? And my question of do we ever have to see her again? Do we care where Samantha went? I really don't. We don't. But I feel like like the, the next thread of this storyline is Billy actively hunting Samantha down. Woohoo! So we're gonna get even more Billy. See, I like those storylines where he was relegated to the side. Yeah, the by sheer virtue of like we need him to move the Amanda storyline along, we're getting a lot of Billy. It's the reverse of collateral damage. Again, even Andrew Shue, you know, like fails us. Yeah. Um, right. And I think that's that for all of that. Right. Is there any more Amanda? Should we just finish up that? Because uh, is there any more to sort of talk about with that, with with her and and Kyle separately? Or no, we should just finish all up all that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I think I think we should just uh, tack that on here. Yeah. Um. 
Where were they? Were in the uh, the new? Okay. How did they get the ad agency like painted, furnished, decorated in like a day? Overnight, right? It yes. was like overnight. It was like what? What's the what? Is, what's that home show where they do that? Where they change your house? The trading spaces. Was it trading spaces or? I, I mean, there are a few of those home shows. Oh, where, like, oh no, there's that one. Oh yeah, uh, Ty Pennington or whatever. I think might have might maybe did that one. Uh, yeah, but please continue. Oh, where like they go, like they come in and they like turn you and they, like change your house around in like a day, and you're just like, wait, what? Or well, yeah, I mean, yeah, or yeah. It's definitely not a show I ever watched, but yeah, yes. yeah. So um, yeah. Um, so yeah, so they so they're at this office and um, that is now completely redone. And how many people did she hire? How much money did this guy give her? Because it's like yeah, they're it's really like it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. So he so the guy the real estate guy hands over the keys and Kyle's there and they're kind of like celebrating or whatever. And and again we have a security issue in the security yeah. building <laughs> because he didn't even come from the front door. Out comes. Uh, Eric. Eric from New York. I don't know. Maybe instead of flashing an ID, he just flashed his checkbook or his wallet, and they were like, "Yeah, you you're running this place. Come on in." And but it seemed like he came from like deeper in the offices. It didn't even seem like he came in from the front as door. As far as I know, he's already moved into yeah. his own office in this building. <laughs> like he's in the bed. Like he's got his bedroom set up in like the 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 stationary closet, the office supply closet. <laughs> So he's like, surprise, I'm in Los Angeles and congratulations. And so Amanda's kind of like, oh, Eric. And then she's like, Eric, meet Kyle, Kyle, Eric. And and Eric's like, oh, I've heard so much about you. And Kyle's like, I've heard nothing about you. And there's yeah, a little bit of yeah. jealousy thing going on there. And then Eric drops the bomb. He's not moving to L.A. He has moved to L.A. Yeah, Eric has already picked up and moved to L.A. So, so you know, this thing's stable. I mean, I guess if you can build out an office space in 24 hours, you can just uproot your life in New York and move to Los Angeles in 24 hours. Yeah, it seems very easy. So, you know, and so Amanda was kind of like, oh, like she didn't even, I mean, I guess she blinked a little bit, but it, there was no like, I hope you're not going to open a rival ad agency here. You know, you know, because that's the first thing she I would have thought. She feels completely secure with him being psychotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought was like, are you going to open a rival ad agency and put me out of business? Like, even though this is your money? It, it just it was all very weird. So anyway, now we have a new, like, wrench, I guess, to throw in between Kyle and Amanda. Yeah. Which I'm kind of bummed about because I really hope that Peter would have been the continued wrench to go between them. No, I think, if memory serves, that Peter basically lives in his own storyline for the duration of this season. And see, that's kind of a bit of a bummer because now we've got Taylor back in the mix trying to split up Kyle and Amanda. So, I don't know. I just kind of feel like we have there there might be an opportunity here that we are once again missing because they've now decided to go in a completely different direction with sabotaging Amanda's life. Uh, yeah, I don't, do, do, yeah. we don't need more characters. Right. And they'd already started to slim this cast down. Yeah, and now, and now consolidate. 
And now we're bloating again because this is the introduction now of not this this episode introduced us not to like one regular or what looks like going to be a semi-regular appearance from this dude, Eric, but a second character that has now come on board that is looks like it's going to be here for a while. Correct. Um, yes, that other character will be on longer term, but yes. Yes, and um, who I guess we can pick up that storyline because that has to do with... Uh, Peter and Michael and Megan and Cooper and Taylor and oh God. Uh, and lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, indeed. Yeah. Uh, um, and I feel like this is, the, we can loop in everyone else in the episode here, right? Yeah, I think everybody sort of like converges, yes. Yeah, so okay, well we start with the cold open. Picks up from the morning after where we left off, which is kind of cute in that Peter and Coop were bonding over lost loves and drinks at Kyle's. Um, so Peter has crashed at Coop's, but Peter is so drunk that he didn't realize that Coop's is where Matt lived. Yeah. So Peter wakes up and he's like, why am I at Matt's? He's like, this isn't Matt's now, this is my apartment. And that's basically it. Peter, yeah. like Coop is being a nice guy. He's like, hey, do you want to go get breakfast? And Peter's like, no, I got to go. And that's when he's on his way out and he sees Amanda. Yeah. So. Meanwhile, Michael does not want to continue with uh, the couples therapy that he and Megan are doing. Um, and he's barely said two sentences, I think, to Megan before he gets a call in his private line in his office. And again, remember, Michael has now begun having sex with Taylor so that he can knock her up so that she can pretend that this new baby is the six-month-old baby by now that's inside <laughs> her from um, <laughs> And, and so it's Taylor calling to have more sex uh, with Michael. Like, it's a completely different Taylor. Now, this is part of, like, the hit you over the head humor. Like, Taylor's just like, it's my window of fertility. I need you to have sex with me. We need to have sex right now. Michael is trying to delay. Um, he doesn't really know how to get out of this. But meanwhile, Coop had just talked to him about going to this medical conference in Santa Barbara. Michael said, like, hell. And now Michael's like, you know what? I'm going to go in this conference to... Uh, to escape uh, this woman and her demands. Yes. Doesn't quite work that well. So a few times Coop has been referring to the ex-wife. We get our first view of his ex, Lexi. And I don't know if you recognized her or knew her from anything, actress Jamie Lunar. I wondered where I knew her from, tell me. I don't know where you know her from. I know her from... First, an ABC sitcom called Just the Ten of Us, which was a spinoff of Growing Pains. Ran for about two years in the I late 80s. remember that. Um, and I think right the thing that got her this job was she was on Savannah, which was a mid-90s soap. I might have remembered her from the commercials for that, because I don't think I ever watched it. Could have been that. She was definitely recast as, like, a sultry vixen on right. that show. And that show, I think that show was on maybe the WB, whatever, whatever those show, those channels were before they became the CW. Um, it was on one of those. It wasn't more prime time than that. Uh, and I think those are like the two big things. She later on had a career in daytime. She spent uh, a few years towards the end of All My Children's run. But leading up to Melrose Place, this is what she had done. And interestingly... She's not the first Just the Ten of Us cast member to end up on a spelling show. 
one of the, her, the actresses who played his sister, uh, had a small part on a season of 90210. One of the other actresses um, is the one who was on the episode where Jake and Allison got married. She was the pregnant priest who married them. Oh. So there's a little bit of uh, small world going on there, but not a ton. Anyway, decent actress. Not sure you can tell that from this episode. But yes, welcome to Jamie Loomer. Um, so she comes off like a harpy who's giving Coop a lot of problems as they try and finalize the divorce. She wants her lawyer to go and meet with Coop. And so Coop decides to evade her. He's not going to go to the conference and ask Peter to go in his stead. Were you going to say something else about her? Or what no. You? Okay. Um, so then we see Michael and Peter at the conference. Uh, and, all, you know, they're like registering or signing in. And um, Lexi is trying to find Coop. And they're like, well, his name is on here, but he hasn't checked in. Meanwhile, I don't know. Peter sees this woman and he's just like, my manifest destiny of the week. So he like goes up to her and he's like, hello, I see you need some help. Can I help you? And she's like, no, she's rude and walks away, but I don't really blame her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Coop is having lunch with Megan. I'm assuming it's, a, I think it's a Kyle. It looks like it's a Kyle, um, yeah. Uh, lunch with wine and everything. Uh, and he asks a bit about Kimberly and, you know, Megan talks more about, she's like, look, she's one of my best friends. She changed my life. I love her, blah, 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 blah. Um, and uh, whatever Coop says kind of plants the seed in Megan's head that she should go on up to the conference because, you know, she really wants to work things out with Michael because she's an idiot. Um, and then, so we have a, couple things happening that night at the conference. Peter is at the bar uh, and he sees Lexi again. So he goes over to her. In fact, I wrote this down. Tell me I wrote this down right. He sniffs her? Yes, he does because because then he goes Chanel number five and she oh, was like was. obsession. Right. And I was like, and oh my god. Him. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my yeah, God, this is so the, 1990s obsession. Yeah. This, right, this is part of his ploy because like, this is him having game. And then all of a sudden, she's like, he's like, can I buy you a drink? She goes, no, very coldly. And then she goes, but you can invite me up to your room. And he's like, oh, I thought that was supposed to be my line. So then they go up to his room. This is juxtaposed with Michael, who gets a note that someone, that his wife, his wife is yeah. waiting for him in his suite, which his suite is bigger than like rich people's penthouses that I watch in TV. It's got two levels. It's a wing. I mean, yeah. it has like a big, a big staircase and everything. Yeah. So Michael goes up to his room and guess what? Taylor is in his shower. Again, the fertility window is closing. So somehow she is kind of exactly where he is and reached security and gotten into his room. Um, so Michael ends up again having sex with Taylor. Uh, and we, we cut back to Peter with Lexi in his room. And all of a sudden she has second thoughts. And she explains that she has only been with one man. And of course, Peter is like shocked because he's like, really on this show? Um, <laughs> and, and then they do this weird, and I'm going to 
guess that this is the other scene you were talking about with the weird monologuing. Yep. They're, it's like they're reaching for some film noir vibe and they monologue at each other like like they've got each other all figured out. Their life, their background, their upbringing, blah, 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 blah. And it's potentially exposition, but really it doesn't amount to anything. They're just like, again, sniffing each other out metaphorically, sizing each other up. Yeah, because it was sort of like, he's like, I know, I know you. You country club, yeah. rich girl, you know, you went to Wellesley or Bennington, yeah. but didn't do anything with your degree. And then she like turns it and she's like, I know you, country club golfer. Like, and I was just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. It's yeah. Like it's, a, the, it's the weirdest scene. It was like, a re- honestly, it was like a really bad off, off Broadway play. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like pretentious as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ever seen like, some of those fuck? really, really bad off and off off Broadway shows? I was like, oh, I think I've sat through a few of these. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. So then again, next morning, uh, Michael gets another note saying that his wife is in his room. So this is so funny, guys. You know what they've done? Michael goes to his room expecting that it's Taylor, and now it's Megan also in his shower. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. But while Michael is talking to Megan in the shower, Taylor storms into the suite, which is so vast and on the lower level that Megan can't even hear that Taylor is calling out to Michael. So Michael, like, makes some really lame excuse to, to um, remove himself from talking to Megan. Goes down, convinces Taylor that she has to leave, um, and it, it's like a temporary cell. But then later, Michael and Megan are alone together. Uh, also, I should point out, Michael's post-op hands are still like in all of that gauze. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's funny to look at, and also he can only carry things so much, and the gauze is not supposed to get wet. So remember that. Taylor calls and interrupts while Michael and Megan are, you know, like, going to potentially be intimate. Uh, and he tries to say no, and that's when Taylor now holds more over Michael, because not just does she have all the Peter stuff, but now she has the Michael Taylor stuff. Um, and she's like, I'm going to tell Megan everything that uh, uh, about us. Um, so Michael knocks over the ice bucket, and he's like, I've got to run and get some more ice. And Megan's like, who cares about the ice? Or she's like, just pick it up off the floor. He's like, no, we need ice. So that's his excuse. He goes over to Taylor's uh, hotel room to do it, like, potentially really quickly. Um, but however gone, however long he's gone, by the time he comes back and he's, like, breathless and, like, carrying this <laughs> ice bucket, uh, like, Megan is not in the mood. She's, like, eating all the cheese and, like, reading a magazine or a catalog. Um... And he, like, his excuse is like, you know, all the ice machines were out. I had to go down four floors. Meanwhile, she notices that his bandages are all wet. Um, and suddenly she, like, forgives him. Like, it was a sacrifice on, on his part just to try and recreate the mood for her. So, Megan, God, you're so dumb. Um, yeah. And then we're back in L.A. Taylor comes to Michael and says that she's pregnant. 
And he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I just know it. I could feel it. I knew it right when it happened. A woman knows. Trust your body. Um, and Michael's like, even if it did happen when we did it, you still wouldn't notice it for a couple weeks. And she's like, no, I know. And in the last, or like second to last scene of uh, the Kyle, the Kyle and Amanda have, um, Taylor, who's like just more like a Spice Girl than a maitre d' at the restaurant, um, is telling Kyle like, oh, feel the baby. And Kyle puts his hand on her stomach to feel the baby. And it looks like he has convinced himself that he has felt something kicking or moving, which wouldn't be. Um, and that's when Amanda comes by and walks in on the moment and sees them. And, uh, you know, Taylor digs in on her and is like, yeah, it's the best feeling. It's the way, the only way you to truly feel like a woman or something like that. Remind me, do we, do, can Amanda not have children? Was that a storyline at some point? No, or like? Can still, no, Amanda can still have children. She just had the miscarriage early on in the series, but no offense. Okay, okay, that that was because I was I thought it was like really weird that she that Taylor was kind of digging like that, and I was wondering if she had, if if something where it it was like oh you can't have no children. she's not intimating like I can have a baby and you can't she's just using her pregnancy to be like I'm better than you are okay got it um so meanwhile we're back at Burns Mancini and. Lexi is there to talk to Coop. She's yelling at Coop again. Um, and then to sort of like interrupt her momentum, Coop has to turn around and say, I want you to meet my partner, Peter Burns. And the jig is up. Because they did this thing. Peter and Lexi never introduced themselves to each other. They didn't never know got each names. Other. Yeah. Um, and so now Peter knows this woman who has really intrigued him is his new partner's ex-wife. Um, and Lexi knows this man who has interested her is her soon-to-be ex-husband's new partner. So, again, even more entwined uh, in this web. And we have a scene of Coop on the phone with Marion Shaw. We get another glimpse of Kimberly's mom. Um, so and we get glimpses of Kimberly. Oh, my God. The photos <laughs> of Kimberly. And we have four of them. So what this, this is particularly funny to us because as Alyssa and I have been watching a lot of old movies for the last year, one of our favorite things is watching, like, the framed eight and a half by 11s that they have of, like, their loved ones in their rooms, their dens, their offices, stuff like that, some of which are particularly funny. Well, this takes that and multiplies it by four. Because we have, like, four glamour shots of Dear Departed, Marsha Cross, sitting right there on uh, Marion Shaw's bookcase, including one of Kimberly in her scrubs with a stethoscope. Yeah, um, but there's one like... right next to her that looks just like a Gap ad, and it's Kimberly in like a black, like sleeveless turtleneck or something, with like her each of her hands up by her shoulders. Yeah, it's awesome, and I hope they show this like every episode for the rest of my life. Yeah, somewhere. it was pretty great. Those photos were pretty great. So yeah, and Marion is basically like, don't get too involved with Michael. He is dangerous. No good can come from him, and. And Coop is like, don't you worry, I, I, I am involved, but I have a plan. Yeah, he, he's, he's basically, he's got, he's got a, he's ready. He's gonna, I don't know, he's gonna take Michael down. Yeah, exactly. Take him down. Um, and the camera pans, or, or, or zooms out, and we see that 
Coop is actually calling Marion from Michael Mancini's desk. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so here's the thing. Is is the storyline between Michael and Taylor, which on the one hand is kind of, sla- that's the slapstick storyline. It is, that's it is. The, that's the over-the-top humor that they're really sort of like taking this like over-sexed character of Taylor because at this point I mean she wants to have a baby but they're, it's like she's oversexed and Michael has always been the one that's been oversexed and now it's sort of like the tables are turned but this is just so awkward and uncomfortable because it's it really feels yeah. rapey well yeah it feels like woman on man rapey yeah, yeah. it's like it's yeah. kind of gross like she's just like you know have sex with me or I'm going to tell your wife you know, um, have sex with me now, you know, and, and they sort of show oh, like know. Michael, yeah. you know, and then he, and then she kisses him. Michael can't help himself, you right. know. Like Michael gives in. So I'm never watching this and, and thinking, well, there's no consent here, but it's each time it's Kimberly comes in and demands sex from someone who, you know, there's no love, there's no relationship there. It's transaction. I mean, it's blackmail. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's icky. To say yeah. the least. Well, and she even has that moment where she's like, in, when she tells him that she's she's pregnant at the hospital, and she's like, "Wasn't this great? Like our sex life? Like this was great. Like there was no emotion. There was we could yeah. just like do it was we could focus on the mechanics." And he actually looks kind of horrified. Yeah. You know, he looks kind of horrified by the whole thing. And so I don't know. I, I like I'm actively starting to feel like, like it's just disgusting. It's really kind of gross. Yeah, and for me, I'm slightly opposite in that I felt grosser last week when it began than I do this week. But either way, it's gross. And I feel, and this is why I felt like they probably only did it at warp speed because this whole storyline is to write her real life pregnancy in. And otherwise, if she and Michael were to end up getting involved, having some sort of affair, secretly cheat, whatever, they would have probably been a little bit more nimble about getting to that like Mm. that could have been the season that could have been a half season or something right yeah the way they're doing yeah it's mismanaged it is gross and i don't know that nowadays we could even sanction that oh you couldn't do this now no oh my god no you could not do this now that this storyline would not fly now um you know, it's and I honestly, it shouldn't fly now. And it it is disgusting. It really yeah. it was like it was kind of awful. So yeah, there we go. Uh, so that was the episode. Uh, again, our our storylines are kind of compressed again, but or you know, uh, consolidated, like I said before, and I'm like great glad we are sort of back here to the way it used to be but but these are less fun yeah so i cannot recall if they get more fun some of the things that i remember happening are like significantly less fun than where we are right now (laughs) so we'll see if i remember correctly oh goody oh goody so just hold on yeah (laughs) hold on to your underwear (laughs) because going to get significantly less fun oh oh look at us all right but we're going to go to a fun place now yeah we're going to have lots of fun over on the boulevard so do please follow us over and in the meantime um let us know if you're following along with the show what you think uh and uh if you feel so inclined to give us a five-star review on itunes i wouldn't holler
we would so appreciate a five-star review. So thank you guys. Stay well. And we'll see you next week in May of 2021. Crazy. We're not. We're back on the block. Bye.